Today on Building the Broncos, Carl and Nick discuss the Denver Broncos round three and four draft picks, breaking down Oregon running back Royce Freeman, Boston College cornerback Isaac Yidem, Iowa off-ball linebacker Josie Jewell, and Penn State wide receiver Deshaun Hamilton. This is Building the Broncos. Welcome to Building the Broncos with your hosts, Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my good friend, Nick Kendall. Nick, how are you doing, man? I am doing okay. I actually had a pretty nasty cold and sickness that led to an ear infection. I used to get ear infections all the time as a kid, and that's the first one I had in a long time, and boy, do they suck. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm on the mend. I actually have uh, my headset on that I use for the with the mic on it, and I have it off my right ear because it's still a little bit sore. It's better. I'm feeling better, but it's... It's on the end, so you know, not all not all injuries are to athletes, guys. These podcast people, you get ear infections, I guess. <laughs> That's right. You gotta gotta protect the throat and you gotta protect the ears. Those are the, yeah, the exactly. two main things, man. Yep. So I, I understand the ear infection. I had one earlier this year that lasted about a month. Oh man. Couldn't hear anything. I it sounded like the ocean was on that side of my face. And oh man, it was it was terrible. But hey, we tough it through. Because we love to, to talk about the Broncos with all of you. And I just want you to know that the Building the Broncos focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos, especially as it relates to the NFL draft and just building the team in general. With Nick and myself being draftaholics, we will bring you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode. From scouting reports, player values, scheme and personnel fits, and general draft-related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kendall MHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at Huddle Up Pod. And make sure you check out ours and our co-writers written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of 24-7 Sports, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. And we know you listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time to to go to iTunes or Spreaker and and rate and subscribe and let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Well, Nick, these are the, the, the rounds that I guess I would say really make or break how your team's going to be over the next few years. And the Broncos have been, (laughs) what's, what's a kind word for just downright terrible. Underwhelming. There you go. Underwhelming at, at these rounds, the the second, third, fourth, how about fifth rounds where they start actually getting good again, it seems like, but, but it's definitely been a struggle. And if you were with us last year, there were some major questions that we had about some of the picks the Broncos made during the, during this stretch, just guys that we didn't see how they were going to exactly fit on the team and when they were going to be able to make an impact. Well, turn it around to this year, and I'm pretty happy with the the picks that the Broncos made. I mean, for the most part, I, I can't really argue with with many of the picks they made throughout this entire draft, but especially in these mid-rounds. 
Yeah, normally, again, like we talked about last week, there are some WTF picks where, you know, you see a pick or you're not expecting to pick at all. And then all of a sudden that name flashes across the board and you're like, are you serious? You're picking him? And, you know, sometimes I was honestly a little bit of like that with uh, Gatsis because I didn't watch so much of him in that class. Watched him after the draft. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Last year with Walker, I did watch a fair amount of him. That was a WTF pick for me. And mm-hmm. the same with Langley was a little bit early. And McKenzie was definitely a WTF pick for me last year as well. This year, yep. just, just not the case. So I'm excited about it. And I think that rounds three and four, well, granted, there are a couple of these picks where I was a little bit, you know, not as high as I am on the first and second pick. You know, I really like the Chubb pick. I like the Sutton pick more and more. But I mean, these are picks that I think make sense and you can spin it in ways that I can get behind. You know, last year, not the case with some of these picks, but this year, this year I can get behind it. So good job, Elway. Good job, VJ. Good job, front office. And I know with, you know, talking about the draft class and these players before they even step on an NFL field is kind of, I wouldn't call it silly, but, you know, the projections are projections for a reason. But still, I'm pretty happy with this. And we're guys who are obsessed with this. And there's other people that kind of share a viewpoint. I wouldn't say follow us, but share a viewpoint. So I'm, it seems like overall, most people are pretty happy with the direction of the Broncos in this draft. And that has a lot to do with these round three and four picks. You know, these were, these were good ones this year. Well, the, the first name that we're going to talk about here today is Mr. Royce Freeman, a running back from Oregon. And he was taken in third round pick selection number 71. And I, I was actually kind of, kind of shocked. The Broncos ended up having, I was checking on NFL.com and they were doing their all rookie team of who they think are going to be on the all-rookie team. And, of course, Bradley Chubb is on that list. But they also had this guy right here, Royce Freeman. They had him and and Barkley as the two running backs that they think are going to make the all-rookie team. And it, it's kind of one of those – I know you and I aren't exactly as high on this pick as some people are. He's, he's a pretty big-name running back. I mean, he was a starter for quite a while there at Oregon and put up a lot of big numbers, had, what, 60 touchdowns? Yeah, I mean, a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, he's been playing since freshman year. Right. And so he, he's just – he's a well-known player. And that's one of the things in the draft is sometimes, like you said, you get those players like an Adam Gotsis that you're going, um, what? Uh, who is this guy? Is there actually video of him playing? <laughs> no cut-ups on draft breakdown. Right. The draft. Right, exactly. And so then you get a guy like Royce Freeman where you've got almost every single game on YouTube or – draft breakdown or whatever. So a lot of people have got a good chance to look at this guy and, and he brings a lot of good things to the table and it really would not shock me to see him be the starter for the Broncos this upcoming season as running back. Yeah, me neither, but that's has partly to do with the guys in front of him. I think D'Angelo Henderson's got some potential, but injuries concern and a guy who's put the ball on the turf a lot. And there's some pass blocking concerns as well. And Devontae Booker, Broncos staff seem to love that kid. They talk highly about him every year, and every year he disappoints. So, I mean, last year he had those flashes besides that stupid penalty that took away that amazing touchdown he had against the Colts where he hurtled that guy on that pass play. But there's not really a go-to guy at running back, so it would not be surprising to me with a guy like Freeman who has traits that should make an impact day one for the Broncos that if he ends up the starting, or at least the majority ball carrier for the Broncos. You know, I don't really think there's a true starting running back on this team. You know, there's no such thing as a a bell cow for the Broncos. I think this season, but I wouldn't be surprised if Freeman ends up the guy with the most carries when the season's uh, wrapped up. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. 
So let's let's just kind of break him down here a little bit. What what do you think fits well with the Broncos for this upcoming season? Well, so far, Booker has not shown to be a guy that runs extremely well between the tackles. He was touted as a guy with good vision and patience coming into the league from Utah. And I didn't really see that on the tape at Utah. I saw a guy who could slash it and pick his spot and go. But as far as feeling the offensive line, pressing the line and vision, I didn't really see that with Booker. I do see that with Freeman, though. He has a a much better feel for the offensive line, despite Oregon's interior offensive line struggles over the past couple seasons. And I think that between the tackles guy, you know, he's got a good frame overall. I think he could actually stand to lose a few pounds with how he plays. But, you know, 5'11", almost six foot, 230 pounds, and he doesn't look like he carries bad weight. He's a dude who's got some muscle on him and longevity. He's played a fair amount, too, so not not many injuries. He did have some injuries that slowed him down a little bit last year, but overall been a pretty healthy guy and been able to play through injury as well. So that's a big part of being a running back. You're never going to be 100% healthy in the NFL, so you got to be able to play with those minor dings and bruises, and he's shown that. But I think he... He's got a well-rounded skill set. He's got a very high floor, and he he's not exactly like C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson, I think, had a little bit more power between the tackles mentality than Freeman has, but Freeman can run between the tackles, and he has enough juice where he can get to the outside. He can stretch uh, the offensive line and defenses horizontally when need be. It's not his main asset, but he can do it, which is surprising for his size, and I think he's got an overall skill set where he can fill in for C.J. Anderson pretty well this season. And I, Booker will take a bigger role as well, I'm assuming. But Royce Freeman means that you're not really going to fully miss C.J. Anderson as a, a runner, at least in my opinion. As a pass blocker, Freeman has potential. That's a, that's a big area where I'm, I'm kind of concerned about losing C.J. Anderson because C.J. was just such a heady player and solid player when it came to pass protection of the quarterback. And I'm not sure that we're going to get that from Booker, Henderson, or Freeman. But as a runner and even I think a little bit more juice than CJ has at this point. I think that he's potential to be an improvement from CJ this season. I think one of the biggest things that I really love about Freeman is his balance. Mm. He has an ability to, to fall forward. He has times where guys try to arm tackle him and he's just able to, to keep his feet below him. You'll, you'll see a lot of runners where they get leaning too far forward, uh, trying to power through somebody or something like that, or running too high and they just can't, keep themselves. You just got to go for the legs. And I remember with some of the bigger backs when I was in high school, that was what our coach just told us all the time. Go for the legs, take out the legs and you take out the player. Cause if you hit him in the chest, it's not going to go well. Well, he's not that power runner. Like you said, with CJ, he brought a little bit more power, but like I said, I just love the way that he can, can keep his feet. Now understand, I'm not trying to compare him to this player, but it, it just always makes me think that was one of the things with Terrell Davis. He always had such good vision and great balance where he just didn't go down with an arm tackle because he just could keep his feet below him and pick up those extra yards. And and a lot of times it wasn't Terrell Davis didn't pick up huge chunks of yards. I mean, he did some, but he didn't have that kind of speed, that second level speed, just like Freeman doesn't have that second level speed to really be that guy that's going to take one to the house, 80 yards kind of thing, like a, a Saquon Barkley. But just to churn out those five, seven yard kind of carries over and over again and just kind of wear out a defense. That, that's that's what I kind of like to see. And I did love you were talking about the blocking side of things. And I was reading a, a quote about him where he said, I take it upon myself to be with my O-line and develop a better chemistry and learn what they're doing. And what he was talking about was 
during special teams parts of practice, instead of just kind of taking a break like a lot of other offensive players were doing, he would actually go over to his offensive line and say, hey, I want to work with you guys on blocking. And and so that gives me hope that there he could actually be a pretty good blocker year one for the Broncos. Yeah, he has the frame for it, and I think he has the mentality for it. But I feel like sometimes on tape when I was watching him, granted, it's that Oregon offense. How much is it going to translate to a pro-style scheme for what he was asked to do? Not so sure. A lot of inside zone runs. So <laughs> that's what you had going for him. A lot of RPOs as well. But as far as pass blocking, you know, they didn't really ask him to hold that edge on a seven-step drop against a, a free-running edge rusher. You know, granted, that's not going to – you don't want to have a running back in that situation with Von Miller either, but – it's going to happen, and it definitely does not happen for Oregon. So that's something to watch. But I think he has the potential to improve as a pass blocker. And I saw somebody on Twitter the other day complaining with some other Bronco writer about pass blocking being not not just a concern for Freeman, but in general something that the Broncos have questions about this year from the running back position. And somebody's like, well, that's stupid. Who cares about the running backs pass blocking? You know, they might as well have four fullbacks if that's all you care about. And I mean, it's one of those things where it's not the – obviously the most important thing for a running back, but if they can't do it or a liability there, they're not going to see the field. You know, it's something that they just have to be able to do to see the field. Otherwise they're going to get their quarterback killed. I mean, one of my favorite funny Peyton Manning videos is when Donald Brown, who was a first round pick by the Colts, a horrible draft pick by the Colts for running back position first round. And it was Peyton Manning on a snap and Donald Brown messes up the blocking assignment. And you hear Peyton Manning scrambling to the right, yelling gee dang it donald and just like on a loop over and over again it always makes me laugh and makes me you know <laughs> peyton manning really appreciates those running backs who can give him just that little bit of second and help clean that pocket up give him a little space and if that running back is letting those guys go by messing up the blocking assignments or even clouding up uh the pocket because of their inability to pass block it's a big issue so if you don't have it it's you're not going to see the field in the nfl because passing is so important in this league Right. Well, you think about especially like a a team when they blitz, getting that extra half second is the difference between a negative play that could maybe turn into a fumble or an interception to a touchdown. Yep. So while it's not the the main thing that you're looking for in a running back, it's still important. And and like I said, in the NFL, it's a passing league. So you can't block. You're you're just really not going to see the field. And and CJ, that was such an underrated quality that he brought to the Broncos he was so smart he knew exactly where he needed to be he could he could read the defense where they're trying to bring pressure so I really do think that the Broncos might miss him more than some fans want to admit in that Uh, aspect for sure right right yeah I mean there's other things that I'm kind of like yeah I I could see us replacing some of that but no I Royce Freeman I like some of the potential that he brings Uh, he's kind of what we needed with losing CJ and, and he does bring team captain on his resume, just like we talked about with the guys last week. And the There's ones just, this week. Right, and the ones this week. They're just That seemed to be like one of the, the top qualities the Broncos were looking for in this draft. And it, it makes sense. I mean, you, you need that in your locker room. And I, I said it last week. Oh, we talked about that where they didn't have that leadership in the locker room last year. When things were falling apart, they, the players turned on each other. The coaches turned on each other. It was just – it was a whole mess. And – you need those guys that are willing to to stand up and say, hey, I didn't do my job. I'm going to work harder this week and set the example of, of what they're going to bring to the to the team for the next week. And or the guy that can rise up, and make the play when you absolutely need a play. And uh, so, yeah, I, I 
it's not my favorite pick for sure by the Broncos this year, but it's one that I kind of like you said earlier, you can get behind. You can understand why they made this pick. And I I see him being a pretty productive player. I don't see him being an all pro running back or anything like that. I don't see him being that guy that really is the, the running back for the next 10 years for the Broncos or anything like that. But I see him being that guy that he's going to turn out those four to five yards, average carry. He's going to pick up some tough yards. He's going to be a smart guy on the field. And I I just see him getting on the field quicker than uh, sooner than later for the Broncos, for sure. He's a guy that, I mean, this is pretty much the name of the game in today's running back field for the NFL, but you're going to use him up in that first contract. And then you're probably going to send him on his way and looking for a new running back day two, day three to fill his shoes after that rookie contracts over. That's just kind of how it is. And there are some, I mean, obviously some of that usage, is a big concern with Freeman. He did have some injuries while at Oregon. He played through them, but he did have some injuries. And honestly, his best year was 2015. Granted, part of that, probably a large part of that has to do with playing with a guy like Heisman Trophy winner Marcus Mariota being quarterback, but he just never looked the same running back like he did in 2015. He looked faster. He looked more agile. And he looked like just just a better overall athletic running back overall in his 2015 season. But yeah, I thought he looked better in 2015 than he ever did. And though those concerns about the tread on the tires, you know, how much is left, those, those are legitimate. You know, you only have so many shots in the chamber and he had over a thousand touches while at Oregon. And when you include uh, run touches and pass catches. So, I mean, how much, how much does he have left? Has he already peaked athletically that these are legitimate concerns? I do think also he doesn't always play to his, style or he doesn't play to his size i gave you this analogy yesterday and you didn't like it as much as some other people i gave it to but he kind of reminds me sometimes when he plays like a european forward where he's seven foot you know it should be a, a monster in the paint and instead he has no interest in rebounding or you know playing defense in the paint and then would rather put up threes you know royce freeman six foot 230 pounds not a power back not a power back. He does. I mean, th- he does have the balance and he can get off some arm tackles. Although I think he's a little bit stiff in the hips, which sometimes when he tries to change direction can lead to some balance issues. He's not as bouncy or rubbery as cream hunt is from what I saw. But again, you know, he has some, he does have some lower body body power, but I see him jump cut. I see him making moves. I see him trying to bounce things outside. Not as much as Saquon Barkley, but you know, still legitimate concern where, you know, you're 230 pounds and I get the interior offensive line for you. Wasn't, amazing this year you know didn't always have the most space but sometimes you got to go north south you got to see that hole and you got to hit it instead of trying to take things outside because you know what you're not Saquon Barkley you don't have that jump cut ability you don't have that four four forty speed you know what he's just that's that's not his his game and so I think personally if I were the Broncos I'd love to see him get down closer to 220 215 rather than the 235 240 apparently is what he played at at Oregon and let him use a little bit more of that, add a little bit more agility to his game because honestly, that's that's how I see him play. He still does have solid balance, and I do really like his vision and his feel for the offensive line. I mean, he can press the offensive line. He feels backside lanes opening up. Uh, he can squeeze lanes. He can manipulate the line of scrimmage as need be. So I, I love all that as an inside runner, but he doesn't really, he's not a lower the shoulder you know, stiff arm guys to the dirt, you know, Leonard Fournette style type, which when you're playing 240, 250, you know, that's that's kind of what you're looking for from those guys. So get him down, maybe lose a little bit of weight and let that jump cut and agility hopefully 
improve a little bit and see what he can be there. Cause you know, we don't need him to be a 25 touch a game running back with other guys in the stable. So if he can get down and just be more explosive from a touch to touch basis, I think that would do him wonders and the Broncos wonders long-term. Right. And, and I think he did say in an interview, I think I said this last week, but he's down to about 219, which he said that's what he played at his sophomore year. And you're, you're talking about just comparisons. And I'm not saying that they have the same style of play or anything like that. But I just remember Sean Moreno when he came to the Broncos. And he got hurt his first year, his rookie year. So he decided to add a bunch of weight because he wanted to be able to handle the, the pounding of the NFL. And he lost his wiggle. That mm-hmm. was what made him so special there at Georgia was his ability just to just be dangerous in space. And all of a sudden, yeah, he's playing with this much bigger size, about 20 pounds heavier. Said he put on all this muscle. Well, he just couldn't do anything. He couldn't move. And then finally, his final year with the Broncos, he lost that weight, got back down to what he was closer when he first came into the league. And boom, he's productive player. He was actually pretty decent for the Broncos. If it wasn't for, uh, I think, was it an injury? That, yeah, serious knee injury. Right. I, I think the Broncos might have thought about keeping him because he was fitting with especially Peyton Manning very, very well. Yeah. And so, again, it's just finding that right weight that fits your kind of game. Don't try to be something you're not. And and I I think a lot of people, they really do. They look at that size and they say, this guy has to have a lot of power. But you watch him. And, and while he does fall forward a lot, it's not really that true power. It's not a, a uh, Marshawn Lynch kind of run where yeah. you you are scared to get hit by this guy. Yeah. He has more power. This is it's a weird thing. I noticed this when I was watching him. He has power and balance and a low center of gravity going forward. And sometimes, you know, especially with the legs training and everything like that, he can maintain that. But when he's asked to move laterally, that's when he loses his balance. And yep. as a running back, that's something that concerns me because I mean, obviously going forward is the most important thing, but you gotta be able to move laterally in tight spaces as well. So I don't know if that's something that potentially maybe losing a little bit of weight might help with because, again, he played at a lighter weight in 2015 and looked like a better player and less less touches, you know, more effective from a touch to touch basis in theory. And so I like the pick. I'm actually happier with the pick in my second viewing uh, preparing for this. I watched eight of his games uh, over the past 48 hours preparing for this. So he's a he's an interesting guy. I like what he does. And I I the thing that I like most is that he's really going to help this team like immediately. I, I don't think there's very much upside as far as like, you know, three, four, five years down the line, but 2018 and 2019 Broncos Royce Freeman is going to be a guy that helps the offense day one. And I think he's got a pretty well-round skill set. I'm not sure how he's going to be as a route runner. They didn't really ask him to do that at Oregon, but when he was asked to play in the screen game, he showed solid hands. So that's important. And I think he has the, the drive to be a pass blocker. You know, it's sometimes it's squaring up and the awareness isn't always there, but I think that he's smart enough and driven enough that he will improve there. And he definitely has the the size to take on a free rushing cornerback or linebacker if need be. So uh, I like the pick more and more. The, th- the more I think about it, it's not really a great long-term pick, but I think he's definitely a guy day one that should help the Broncos and, I think complements what they already have in the running back stable very well. Right. And and I think that was maybe one of the hardest parts of the last couple drafts with the Broncos is a lot of the players just, you couldn't see how they were going to have immediate impact for the Broncos. 
And that worked back in the 2012, 13, 14 kind of seasons when you have Peyton Manning and, and you already have pretty good roster already in place. And so you're looking at guys to maybe replace and you can give them a chance to grow. But right now the Broncos need day one impact kind of players. They, yeah. they can't wait around that. Otherwise they're going to be another five and 11, if not worse kind of team. And so you look at Bradley Chubb, day one impact guy. I, if he's not starting, something went wrong. Royce Freeman, that running back competition for, for training camp might be one of the best positional battles of the entire team. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see who wins that battle. And, and like you said, even no matter who wins, you're still going to get every guy with touches. Yeah. So, so he's going to get on the field no matter what. Uh, Cortland Sutton, he's one of those guys, maybe he's on that other side of things where he's going to be maybe more year two through four. And we talked about that last week. But, but again, there's just a lot more day one impact kind of players for this Broncos team. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited about that. And like you said, he has a, he has a high floor. Very you know, high floor. Yeah, you, you know you're going to get production from this guy unless he gets injured. There's just no question. There's no, Hey, he needs all this time to grow or learn how to be an NFL player. He's going to be a a decent impact guy day one. So decent pick. Like I said, it seems like one of those that the more you watch him, the more you're kind of like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And and I can see him. I can see why the Broncos really went this way when they did. Yeah. My biggest issue with the pick and anybody who was following immediately after draft knows that this was the one that I had graded lower than most of them is just because I think that his skill set and what he brings to the table, you could probably get that kind of player around later. I think Royce Freeman went 30 picks higher than I would have taken him. But that said, you know, if you're going for a running back, you need a day one impact and you don't want to take a chance on the upside of a Kalen Balazs or you're, you know, you want more of a guaranteed thing than John Kelly as far as an overall running back, then I get it. It's just personally, if I was running the draft, I'm probably not taking this type of running back, especially given the the tread or the wear and tear on his legs till probably very early day three. If he was if he'd have been picked where Josie Jewell is picked, zero problems with it. But top hundred pick for a running back, eh, I mean, I I'll live with it. I I, I give it a you know C plus B minus. It was it was a solid pick. It's not making me do cartwheels or anything like that. And I get it. It's just the positional value and other players on the board, I probably would have gone a different direction, but I get it. And I like the player and now he's a Broncos. So I'm, I, I gotta be a race Freeman fan. So that's how it is. <laughs> there you go. Well, let, let's keep moving on here and go to our other third round pick. The, the compensatory pick with selection number 99, the Broncos took Isaac Yadam, cornerback of Boston college. And, you know how much many of us that follow the draft love this kid, love him. And we're very, very excited that this was the pick. We, we had been kind of texting back and forth or messaging back and forth before the draft or before the second day, especially going, man, I hope the Broncos get this guy. And boom, here he comes. And I just, you know how much I, I just blushed about this guy at the Senior Bowl how much I just talked him up going, I, I'd never really heard of this guy before the senior bowl. I hadn't got a chance to watch him yet. All of a sudden I'm watching him there and the guy just was making plays left and right. He was doing pretty well against smaller receivers, bigger receivers. He just was always in position. He just looked like a guy that knew the route that was being ra- ran even more so than the wide receiver did. 
And so I loved it. And I'm very, very excited that he's a Bronco. And I really think there's a good chance he could be that number three cornerback for the Broncos. It's going to be a, this is, this is another one of those great competitions for, for camp. Uh, you got Brock, you got Langley, and now you got Yidem to add to that list. And, and the three of these guys, that's going to be a, a pretty, I, I can make a case for all three. Yeah. But honestly, if I'm making my choice right now, May 9th, 2018, Yidem is winning my competition. Yeah, I remember you speaking highly about him when we were doing our uh, post-day one, day two Senior Bowl podcasts and talks just because he was a guy that was you know, not making plays on the ball. That's something I remember you were a little bit frustrated about him is because he had an opportunity to get his hands on a lot of ball, and they were just going through his hands. But he's always in position to make that play, and he's a physical long cornerback. I watched three of his games uh, prepping for this, but then there's also, thank you for YouTube. I mean, YouTube can be amazing. There is All-22 film, about a 20, 30-minute clip of the item where the All-22, if you're breaking down cornerbacks and you're using the broadcast film, it's not, it's not you're not going to have the best time because you're not going to get an idea of the off coverage, and sometimes they're even going to be out of frame which I found that to be the case in the Virginia Tech game, which was very frustrating. <laughs> but the All-22 helped clear it up, and there was a lot of his games on there. And Yidem's a guy that looks like to be a, a very good fit for the Broncos' defense. I was at the Combine, and Vance Joseph said, we're looking for a press man corner. Well, here's your press man corner, and he does it pretty well. I think he can stand to get bigger and stronger. I mean, he showed up at the Combine 6'1", so he's, he's, a, he's a tall cornerback or six foot and seven eighths. So we'll just call it six one, but 190 pounds. So he's a guy that is going to need to probably put on 10, 15 pounds to fill out that frame. Cause he does look wiry out there. He plays tough, but sometimes he just lacks that strength and he can, if guys get off that press, that's when he can get into trouble. I like the, the attitude is there a lot of the, the press, obviously there's technique to it, but if you have a soft mentality, you're probably never going to have it no matter how strong you are or how good your technique is. You got to have a little bit of dog with you to hand fight those wide receivers and not let them get off that press. And the item has that. I mean, he plays out there mean, sometimes a little bit too mean. He's sometimes too physical, which is something I'm going to need to watch. You know, we were worried about Brandon Langley last year being a guy who was a little bit too handsy after those five yards, which you're allowed in the NFL. That's something that I'm going to watch for with the item because he does tend to get a little bit too handsy past that five yard mark, which is going to get him in trouble in the NFL. But I love his press. I love his length. And I think as he gets bigger and stronger and fills out that long frame, which he has for a cornerback, long arms as well, I think he's going to develop into a stronger and stronger guy. And again, with that size, he runs, he protects that D gap on the outside. Like it's his job. He'll come down and he will deliver some big hits on wide receivers or come down and get a quarterback. And he's just run defense is a big plus with him. And I think it's just going to get better as he fills out his frame. Right. That that was I, I pointed to two games on Twitter that I'd watched of his one that was really, really good. One that was not so good. And he had an incredible game against Clemson and all their talent that they have at wide receiver. I mean, they, they have guys that are, are going to be making an impact in the NFL over the next few years. Yeah. And and he shut them down because the, he those big receivers, he is great against them. The Des Bryant's the. Alshon uh, Jeffries. Yeah, Alshon Jeffries. Uh, uh, Sutton. Yeah, exactly. This this is the c- kind of cornerback that you need to shut those kind of guys down. And uh, I, I'm just excited to see the different kind of matchups 
that the Broncos can play this year. That that'll be a big thing. I'm I'm kind of wondering because in years past they've been able to do where they just left Talib on one side, Harris on the other, or they'd move Harris into the obviously to the slot and then have Bradley Roby out there on the edge. But they they didn't have to move cornerbacks around and play matchup football. So I'm wondering if they're going to try to continue to do that, or are they actually going to say, hey, this is a bigger guy. Let's stick Yidam on him. Chris Harris, hey, you go against this smaller guy, the the T.Y. Hiltons of the NFL. And because he did, he struggled against those smaller, quicker guys. Kind of, I remember Tlaib when we played the Colts in the, in the playoffs. Was it 2014? And Tlaib just got abused by T.Y. Hilton on, on a few different plays. And that just wasn't his strength. That's not where it's, but that's not using him to his best ability. And so are the Broncos willing to kind of move some of these guys around and, and see what they can do. But again, red zone. I love this guy in the red zone. He is not going to give up that jump ball. He's going to really take on his area. Like you said, he's going to be willing to, to lay down the big hit. There's just a, a really a lot to like about his game, but, and, and, and I think he still has a lot of, good football ahead of him. I, I Like you said, if he gets a little bit bigger, stronger, learns from some of these great cornerbacks that the Broncos already have, I, I think this guy could be a great player down the road for them. Yeah, I agree. I think he's got good potential, and there are some areas, obviously, that are going to be weaknesses with him. Um, right now, I think that he's a little bit more... Sometimes I think he lacks instincts on the field, and he has tunnel vision when it comes to his assignments, specifically in man coverage, not so much in zone, but in man in man, sometimes he'll be so caught up in fighting his wide receiver that there'll be another route that will be around him that he can come help on. He's still busy fighting the guy that he's on. Then that goes double for when he's supposed to come down and make an impact in the run game. You know, he's in man coverage and he has his eyes only set on that wide receiver. So just having a little bit more awareness of when plays are not going to that wide receiver, it's okay to get the hands off the guy. you got to go make plays on the ball. And, but in zone coverage, that's not really the case. He looks like a guy who has great awareness in zone coverage. So, you know, what do I know? Or what does he know <laughs> in that regard? Um, and something that I really like about him, again, is that motor. He chases running backs down. I was watching tape of him. There was the Notre Dame game. Josh Adams, the guy who had a lot of big runs this season for the Fighting Irish, Isaac Yidem caught him down from like a 50-yard run instead of giving up a touchdown twice in that game. So that guy has some heart. I mean, it, it, he could easily have just, you know, dogged it and been like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to save my energy for kickoff duties, which he also played. No, he chased that guy down 50, 40 yards down the field and catch him from behind. So very interesting there. I don't think he has amazing click and close speed. He doesn't have that makeup speed that you see guys like Bradley Roby have, you know, the four, four forty guys. He ran a four five two at six foot six one. So it's not like it's horrible. It's just not elite. And that's something that you see with him. And I think he still has some work to do in his back pedal and ability to flip his hips. He sometimes can be a little stiff, granted six one, not terribly stiff, but guys can get separation on him. Really good route runners, especially underneath are going to give him fits early on because his back pedal can be a little bit high. And especially if he's playing off ball coverage, he's much more natural playing up, playing physical at the line of scrimmage. When you ask him to play off ball, he just looks, it just looks a little lost and sloppy to me. So it's something that's definitely going to need to improve. And the final thing I wanted to touch on here for him is that again, that all 22 tape, 
it had not only his defensive plays, but it had his special teams plays. And that is all four phases of special teams play. Kickoff returns, kickoff uh, coverage, punt returns, punt coverage. He wasn't a returner either way, but he was a guy that would, you know, be a blocker. And man, that press coverage, that dog in him on the outside, that carries the special teams as well. So I'm not sure what's going to happen if he's going to win cornerback three this season over Langley or Tremaine Brock, who the Broncos paid okay money to. But even if he doesn't, he's going to have an impact this year because I I just love his size, his overall athleticism, and his just physical demeanor that he will bring to special teams. So I think he's he's not you know a crazy good athlete. There's a reason he fell to the bottom of the third round, and that's yeah that's the big reason. He's definitely a, a press corner right now, but I think he's a great fit for the Broncos scheme, and I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this upcoming season he takes over the cornerback three role as the boundary corner kicking Roby or Harris to the slot in three cornerback sets. One of the things that, that really stuck out when I was reading up on this guy is you'd kind of hinted at it of this guy just has that, that dog mentality to go make plays, whatever he's called to do, whether it be special teams, defense, and, and he received what's called the, the Jay McGillis award. This is something that Justin Simmons got when he was there. Hmm. And, and that's something else to kind of keep in mind is that the, these two Simmons and Yidem played together. And Yidem actually talked a lot about uh, Justin Simmons and just the leadership qualities that Simmons showed that really carried over for the next couple of years while he was there at Boston College. And and just, hey, we're going to work our tails off. But this this award is given annually since 1993 to the Boston College defensive back who best exemplifies the personal qualities of team dedication and leadership by example. And they have a competitive spirit and they have personal concern for family, friends and teammates. So. Again, this is one of those just great locker room guys that you just want in your locker room that, that's going to show, hey, I'm going to put in the work, whether I'm only on special teams, whether I'm that third cornerback, whatever it's going to be, I'm going to show this team. And, and he even talked about it when I was listening to an interview. He said, I'm going to make my first impression as a special teams star. He said, I'm going to prove to them that I deserve to be on this team first on special teams, then on defense. And I, I think that's just, I love that mentality of, I know I need to earn my place on this team. I'm not looking at this as, hey, I'm this cocky new guy coming in. I deserve everything under the sun. And I know some people have talked about that with some of the past Bronco draft picks, where a lot of them just thought things were going to be handed to them because in college, things were handed to them. They just were the most athletic guy. They didn't really have to put in a lot of work. And all of a sudden you get to the NFL and everybody's athletic. Everybody has been that top guy at some point in their high school, college, whatever it may be. And what separates the the average or below average from the great is the, the work they put in. So I don't worry about that with this guy. I know he's going to put in the work. I know he's going to be a, a leader in that locker room. And it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, not thinking this year, but but years down the road, he could be that special teams captain. Yeah. Yeah. He's a fun player. And I don't think anybody was excited about him being drafted as Eric trickle. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's good. So hopefully this works out better than the guy we were most excited about last year. And Carlos Henderson, oh, you know, boy. live and learn and get better. But I think the item is a good player and I was really happy with that pick in the third round. So hopefully he has a better first year than the Broncos cornerback. They selected last year at the comp pick in Brendan Langley, but we'll see those two guys that you talked about running back being a fun position battle, this training camp and preseason. 
cornerback three, man, that's the one I'm interested in because if the Broncos want to run the scheme that they want to run, they need three cornerbacks that can hold their water out there one-on-one when need be. And right now, cornerback three is the biggest question for me in that regard. So we will see what happens there. Now, we still have two more prospects to get to, but first we want to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. All right, well, moving on to the round four selection for the Broncos. Pick 106 overall in the draft, Iowa Hawkeye linebacker Josie Jewell. And I got to say, people probably think I'm more excited about this pick than I honestly am. I'm a big fan of Josie Jewell, don't get me wrong. But just because I am a big Iowa Hawkeye fan and supporter doesn't mean I'm a a total biased person. Sometimes, I mean, as you know, and some other people that we speak with, I kind of tend to overcorrect in that regard. I try to be a a skeptic. Maybe that's the scientist in me. Maybe that's me trying to counteract homerism, which is something that bothers me more than anything. You know, when you come into an argument with uh, the Patriots or the Eagles and you're talking about, oh, the Broncos are better than your team this year. I, that, that's that's where you're being a fan, and I'm going to be an analyst. So anyway, Josie Jewell, moving on to him. He is one of the most prolific statistical linebackers in college football over the past few seasons. He racked up a ton of stats for the Iowa Hawkeyes in that Big Ten defense. I mean, over the past, he had over 120 tackles his sophomore, junior, and senior season. He had 433 tackles over his entire career at the University of Iowa. 28 tackles for loss. So this guy just always around the ball and one of the better college linebackers over the past two seasons. He has great leadership and he is a film room junkie. That dude loves to study tape and he put he's the quarterback of the defense for the Hawkeyes, put guys in the right spot and just always was in the right spot. You know, that, that's, there's something to be said about linebackers. You know, it's good to have a lot, an athlete at the linebacker position, but if there's one position in the NFL, well, besides quarterback, if there's one position where instincts and awareness and everything like that matter over athleticism, it's probably that off ball linebacker spot because it's so much flowing and reading the offensive line and different keys where you have to go and get to a spot. And it's, it's more about reading the alignment than actually being the fastest guy out there. You know, you have to be mentally fast to get there. And Josie Jewell exemplifies that he's got at the combine. uh, He wasn't the best athlete there. That's something that I even heard that the Broncos were underwhelmed by how athletic he was when they brought him out to Dove Valley. But there's a reason he was a fourth round pick. You know, that's that that's the reason he fell down despite being so prolific and being a a coach's kind of player or kind of one of those coaches on the field type even. But at the combine, he actually was a little bit surprising, though, as well. He had an incredible three cone, which I honestly did not see coming. I mean, a 4.27, which, you know, that doesn't mean anything probably to you listening, but 93rd percentile for off-ball linebackers from Josie Jewell. And he also had a pretty good 60-yard shuttle. So when his hips were squared to the line of scrimmage and he's asked to move and change direction and read the running backs or tight ends or anything like that, he moves pretty well. But when it comes to his straight-line speed, not ideal, not ideal at all. He ran a 4.8240, which is the 31st percentile, and that's not great at all. You know, he's never going to be a sideline-to-sideline player despite his instincts. And when you couple that with his size, he was very, very small overall. 
six foot one, 234 pounds, which was the 33rd and the 14th percentile, not ideal. And also uh, shorter arms and wingspan. So not a big linebacker and not a overly fast linebacker. Good change of direction, which is obviously important. But I mean, there's there's definitely a reason that he fell to the brown, the fourth round. That said, I think Josie Jewell, I mean, I think people are underselling Todd Davis right now. I don't expect Jewell to beat him out this season. I think Todd Davis is a little bit pooped on when he shouldn't be. Like we've talked about on here before, any player who was hurt by TJ Ward leaving last year, it was probably Todd Davis because the Broncos didn't have that dimebacker that could come in and play those roles. So what did that mean? Todd Davis was matched up in man coverage against tight ends and running backs. Guess what? That's a huge mismatch. That's a problem. So uh, I love Jewel. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a potential starting linebacker for the Broncos this season. But I think it's more likely he's that rotational linebacker will come in some, but he's going to make most of his hay this season as a special teamer. I will say, though, if you look at Todd Davis compared to Josie Jewel, just athletically built and everything like that, Todd Davis is actually smaller than him. Surprising, right? Doesn't yeah, even seem like it. Right. And had a slower 40-yard dash, slower pretty much everything. So athletically speaking, Josie Jewell is actually a little bit better athlete than what Todd Davis brings to the table, which is why, I mean, down the road, you definitely can see why Josie Jewell could be a, a, a starter. Maybe not yeah. a, a great starter, but a, a starter for the Broncos and one of those guys that will be consistent on the field. Like you said, he's a great leader. He knows exactly where he's supposed to be. He knows where everybody else is supposed to be. And and the Broncos just haven't really had that since Trevathan left, I think, in, in my opinion. Yeah. He was kind of one of those guys that just, he knew where to be. He knew where the play was going. And uh, Josie Jewell, kind of watching some of his tape, I, I loved some plays where you just saw he knew exactly where the ball was going before the ball was snapped. And he's just pretty much waiting there for the ball carrier just to get to him almost. Uh, I saw one screen pass where he's like just kind of weeding through all the tackles because he's like, yep, he's right here and just grabs the ball carrier as soon as he catches it. And it's like a three yard loss. And, and so you just love those, those instincts on the field and that'll get him far. But at the same time, like you said, there are limitations. You can see that in, I, I hate to bring this up to you, but the Iowa Penn state game. Ugh. Hey, that's better than the Iowa Stanford game. <laughs> oh my God. But Continue. okay. Anyway, but you see it. There was Saquon Barkley just being a better athlete. And there were times where Josie Jewell just wasn't quite in position. He didn't have that, that closing speed to, he, he kind of knew where the play was going, but he just couldn't quite get there because yeah. Saquon Barkley was just that great of an athlete. So, I mean, if, if you watch that game, you're going, oh my gosh, no, don't draft this guy. But he has plenty of other great tape from his time in Iowa for sure. But he's, he's like I said, he's one of those guys. I just, so many of these picks this year, I don't really worry too much of whether these guys are going to produce for the Broncos. It's just a matter of maybe they don't have quite the high ceiling that you would hope for, but they're going to be very productive players for, for at least their first contract. Yeah. And while I, I kind of agree, I, I could see Todd Davis beating him out. I guess I'm on the opposite side of things. I, I think Josie Jewell actually wins that battle. Man, I would I, be I'm, elated. I would get a Jewel jersey. I, I'm like, going to put that out there. I, I really do. I, I like him. Uh, I'll be on the other side. I'll be the homer for you. 
Okay. <laughs> and uh, I just, I, like I said, you, they just need those instincts. They need a guy that can show at least a little bit something in coverage because he's, he's underrated as a coverage guy too. And Todd Davis is one of the worst coverage linebackers in football. And uh, so they just, you got those teams out there that try to catch Todd Davis on the field. They'll leave their same personnel out there. They'll go the big packages just so they have to be in their base package and, and just abuse him. And so Josie Jewell, I could see because of his coverage ability, really winning coaches over early on. Plus I know he's going to, like you said, he's a film junkie. He's going to work his tail off. He's going to memorize that playbook. There's just, again, there's just not too many worries with these guys. There's not the off field issues. There's not the, the work ethic questions with these guys. They, they worked their tails off in college. That's why they were captains. That's why teams or players looked up to them and they just were highly, highly productive guys. And I feel like yeah. Elway's getting back a little bit more to his earlier drafts where he looked for guys that were highly productive in college, well looked at by teammates. Uh, if I remember right, that 2011 draft, like 80% of the picks were guys that were captains on their team. Yeah. So it just kind of feels like he's getting back to his roots a little bit on some of that. And obviously that draft was very productive for the Broncos. Yeah, so, well, having Von Miller helps. Well, yes, yes, that, that makes a big difference. But, I mean, Franklin obviously paid off pretty good. Raheem Moore was okay until his really bad play. Uh, he had other guys that just showed up decently for the Broncos. But, anyway, yeah, no, I, I love this pick. Again, for a fourth-round pick, you could have a day-one starter. I, I talked about it earlier about the NFL.com all-rookie team. They had three Broncos. I've talked about two of them already. Number three is Josie Jewell. Mm. And you think about all the other inside linebackers that were taken in this draft, those off-ball guys, Raquan Smith, Edmonds. I mean, we've talked about quite a few of them. Uh, Yeah, exactly. All those kind of guys that went that first round, and they picked Josie Jewell to be the bigger impact day one guy. Yeah. I mean, you're you're preaching to the choir. I've been singing Jewell's praises. I just think that because of his size and lack of overall athletic ability, there are going to be some limitations to his game, but I think he's going to be a productive player. Now, does he beat Todd Davis out? I'm not sure Todd Davis, I honestly think is one of the better box linebackers, but because of his ability in pass coverage and overall athleticism, he is limited. So, you know, Jewel could definitely come in and beat him out this season. One thing I do want to touch on the Jewel that, as an Iowa fan with, I guess I would have insider knowledge here is that I do worry that Jules simple statistics, as far as his ability and pass coverage are somewhat misleading just because of the style Iowa plays very, very conservative, very playback. Ben don't break where Jewel is asked to play soft hook zones over and over again. And that really helps him because he's a guy, again, good change of direction ability and good instincts and good awareness where he can play those hook zones very well when you're playing cover two, cover three, you know, letting everything underneath and then rallying to the football. But in the NFL, when if he's going to be isolated against running backs or tight ends, especially because of his size in space and man coverage, what the Broncos like to do. I mean, last season we saw more zone coverage from the Broncos than we had in seasons past. Defense took a step back, so I'm hopefully I'm more of a man coverage guy personally, but hopefully we'll we'll see what goes there. But I think that the the coverage statistics about Josie Jewell are just a little bit misleading because it's the style of defense that the Broncos play 
where he was never asked to play man coverage because he's deficient in that area. I mean, that's just, that's just not his game. So playing him in zone a lot and coverage. Yeah, I can see that those hook zones, you know, if you're playing Madden, it's those little yellow ones where they just move back two or three steps, but asking him to man up against a linebacker or not a linebacker, a running back or a tight end. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that will work in the NFL, given some of his size and overall speed deficiencies that he will always have. Well, I guess we're, we're fixing to find out. Yeah, no. And even still, I think that's, he's got better p- potential there and ability there than Todd Davis because a, the instincts are top notch. And again, this really surprising change of direction ability. So as long as the pass rush gets there in good amount of time, then he should be able to cover an area pretty well. But he's not going to be a, a Keekly type that I've seen some people say he's going to have a rookie year like Keekly. That's let's oh pump the brakes there. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a, that's the, a poor man's Keekly. Yeah. I mean, Chris Borland is the comparison. So hopefully yep. Jules doesn't leave the league because of concussions concerns. Yeah, I don't think he will. He was a no-star recruit from Decorah, Iowa. No star. And he was going to play football with his brothers at Luther College, which is in Decorah. And Iowa, Kirk Ferentz discovered him, and he started freshman year all the way to his senior year. So I'm really happy to watch him go from the Hawkeyes to the Broncos. He's one of my favorite Hawkeye players over the past few seasons. And if he turns out to be a great player, then I'm, I'm definitely lining up to get the jersey. I hope he can still wear number 43. Have they announced his number yet? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. The only one I've seen is uh, Chubb. Yeah, 55. 55. Yeah, so hopefully 43, because I, I don't know, that number 43, Josie Jewell, special place in my heart, and good guy. I mean, I've watched I watched the Iowa State game with his uncle and his like nephew last year in, in Decorah when I was up there camping. So small world and you know, great, great guy. So fingers crossed that he works out for the Broncos, and it, it's a good pick here. I like the pick. I like the value. And I think that he offers, again, another guy with a very high floor. Perfect. We're going to move on to our our final pick that we're going to talk about here today. And Deshaun Hamilton, wide receiver for Penn State. And you know I've been been gushing about this pick for a while. Yep. And I've been saying since the draft got over that Deshaun Hamilton will have more day one impact than Cortland Sutton for the Broncos. Let me explain why. This this is I'm I'm gonna go on a little rant here. Uh oh. Buckle oh, up. I know, yeah. Okay, so Deshaun Hamilton, you go watch this kid at Penn State, and most of the time what you see a lot of times is teams try to take those outside guys, move them in, and hope that they can become that slot receiver. Doesn't work always very well because it's it's a very different game when you're playing from the slot than compared to to a boundary wide receiver. It's just very, very different. Deshaun Hamilton has pretty much been a slot receiver for Penn State from day one. And he's been an impact guy since his freshman year. One could argue and argue very well that Deshaun Hamilton's best season was with Hackenberg. He had 82 receptions as a freshman for 899 yards, only had two touchdowns. The reason I say that there's a probably a better argument for this last year where he had nine touchdowns and just a few less yards with a, a less – Less quality quarterback, I would say. But anyway, he had some games where he had 14 catches. They they just used him like crazy because he just always seemed to get open. And from his freshman year clear to his senior year, the I think the biggest thing for him was quarterbacks trusted him. Quarterbacks knew this guy's going to be exactly where he needs to be from the very beginning of the snap. He's going to run the right route. 
He's going to find the soft spot in the zone. He's going to be one of the smartest players on the field from the wide receiver position. And I think that is one of the best qualities that you can have as a slot receiver, that intelligence that you bring to the field. That's what the, the Patriots have loved. They love to get those smart receivers on the field that Tom Brady can trust. Hey, this guy is seeing the defense exactly how I'm seeing it. Wes Welker was great at it. Julian Edelman has been great at it. Brand Stokely with Peyton Manning was great at it. Uh, those kind of guys, you just they're so trustworthy. That is an underrated quality to have as a wide receiver. That was one of the biggest things with, uh, with Cody Latimer. He couldn't be trusted to be on the field because the quarterback didn't know if he's going to run the right route or not. And he never really put in, uh, he did a little bit more as his last year, but he didn't put in the work to become great in, in route running or knowing where he's supposed to be. Deshaun Hamilton, I don't worry about that one bit with him. And like I said, since he's spent his time in the slot already, he knows the position. He knows how to set up defenders. His route running is so intelligent. He's not the fastest guy on the field. He's not the quickest guy on the field. He's not the strongest guy on the field. I mean, I could go through the list. He's just, athletically speaking, he's an average player. Is that that what you would say? Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying so far. Okay. Okay. Anyway, average player, but he gets open because he knows how to use his feet to, to set up a defender. He knows how to use his eyes. He knows where he needs to go. Like I said, he knows, especially in zone coverage, where he needs to sit. Just so much of his game is just so intelligent. And that's why I think he could be a day one impact player for the Broncos that could put up decent stats. I, I could see a season where he has 55 catches, 650 yards which from the slot position, that would be huge for the Broncos. They haven't had anything near that kind of production. He is not afraid to go over the middle. He's bigger for a slot receiver, being that six foot one. He's not the heaviest guy in the world at 203 pounds, but he's still decent size for, for a slot receiver again. he He's willing to take hits over the middle. I know a lot of people have kind of talked about the idea of uh, like Emmanuel Sanders moving to the slot so you can get Cortland Sutton on the field. But Emmanuel Sanders doesn't really like to go over the middle. He played slot for Pittsburgh and he kept getting hurt. Broncos kept him on the outside and he's really liked that. He doesn't take as many hits. He's able to kind of get in those one-on-one coverages and, and use his speed to get open. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, he'd be a good slot receiver. But again, if you're not willing to take the, the hits over the middle, like I said, Wes Welker, I know he had to kind of close out his career because of concussions because he took so many hits, but he was that guy that was willing to to catch the football on that third and five kind of play and take the hit from the, the off-ball linebacker that just rung his bell, but he held on to the football. That's what Deshaun Hamilton brings to the table. He will hold on to that, that ball. And I, I don't know. I just – I really like his game. He doesn't have a high ceiling – but he has a very, very high floor. Uh, how many times are we going to say that today? That should be the, the, the slogan of this draft for the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, even like the, the only one that doesn't have a high floor that the guys we've talked about so far, I think is Sutton. Chubb yep. has an extremely high floor. Royce, high floor. Josie Jewell, very high floor. I guess Yidem doesn't have a super high floor, but most of these guys 
at worst, they're going to be productive players, whether it be special teams or they're going to find some niche to contribute where right. uh, that's very contrast to the 2017 draft. Exactly. But just, just watching his game, I already mentioned this guy, but he really reminds me a lot of Julian Edelman. They're actually about the same speed. I found out he ran a four five two at his pro day. That's exactly what Edelman ran. So speed wise, they're right around the same. He's a little bit bigger than Edelman, but again, just being that that smart guy on the field, the guy that's very dependable. Edelman was a quarterback, so of course he knows what to look for. And I could see Deshaun Hamilton just kind of being that same kind of productive receiver. He's not going to beat you over the top, but he's going to be that guy on third and short that just irritates you if you're an opposing fan because, Oh, that guy just made another catch. Oh, there he is again. Of course, that's exactly where they're going to go, but you can't stop them. And uh, I know most Bronco fans hate the Patriots. I do too, but I, I respect Edelman's game a lot. And uh, I think that again, that's, that's why I respect Deshaun Hamilton a lot. This was one of my favorite, favorite picks of the last few years for the Broncos. Love it. And I just, there's very few things that I can look at other than his athletic profile and say, nah, this guy's not going to be good. I, th- there's a little bit of his hands. He, d- he lets the ball get into his body a little too much. But even there, if you're a slot receiver, that's a little bit more of just a protection thing. You're, you're not one to extend yourself out and really open up your chest to, to those big hits. So I, I can understand a little bit more why he lets some of the footballs get into his chest a little bit more. But again, leadership qualities, no off-the-field concerns. There's the the big story of him working with his brother, and I'm sure you've heard that, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. His brother who doesn't speak. Right. Yep. But the, the one person that really understands him is Deshaun Hamilton, and he puts in a lot of work with his brother. And uh, so, again, just a really good guy that I know is going to put in a lot of work. He put in a lot of work at Penn State, was just looked upon very well by his teammates, and he should have put up a lot better stats if he had a quarterback that could consistently get it to him. That was part of the problem over the last few years there at Penn State was, I mean, he should have broke every single record. He broke the receptions record for Penn State, but he should have broke the receiving record as well. They just didn't have a quarterback that could consistently get it to him. But one final thing that I'm going to hint at, and then – I'll turn it over to you, but I really love that he took his game to the next level in the red zone this past year. He was one of their best red zone threats where he had nine touchdowns this past season. And many of those were red zone touchdowns where they would actually send him to the corner of the end zone and have him out jump the slot corner. And I, I just love that's a big part of what the Broncos have brought this year is they realized they were one of the worst red zone teams in the NFL last season. So what do they do? Royce Freeman, 60 touchdowns. Cortland Sutton, one of the best 50-50 ball receivers in college football. Oh, here we go. Deshaun Hamilton, again, another guy that just can be a red zone target because he's a little bit bigger out of the slot than a lot of those slot cornerbacks that are going to be on the field, those 5'9", 5'10", kind of guys, and he can out-jump them. So just a, a lot of, lot of good qualities to his game. Yeah, I really was happy about this pick. I was surprised the Broncos doubled down on wide receiver, but it makes sense given the, I mean, how how long have they been looking for a third or fourth wide receiver to step up? Since Wes Welker left, I mean, it's been Benny Fowler. Um, you've had Cody Latimer. Carlos Henderson didn't live up to it last year. 
and there's Isaiah Burse. I mean, just just name (laughs) after name of guys that just haven't lived up to it. Uh, Norwood, Jordan Norwood, another one. He had that great punt return for the Broncos in the Super Bowl. But again, just a bunch of undrafted guys that just haven't really been anything of real value for the Broncos, at least long term. You know, the guys just just warm body types. So getting Cortland Sutton and now getting Hamilton that and hopefully another year mature maturity wise to growth wise for Carlos Henderson, the Broncos wide receiver group looks dynamic and fun. I mean, really, there's a lot of interesting names here. And I really like what I saw when I watched Deshaun Hamilton. He's a guy that, again, stood out at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Not a surprise here, given the Broncos were one of the coaching staffs there. A great route runner. And if I've learned anything from my wide receiver evaluations over the past few seasons, you know, really diving into this NFL draft analyst stuff, it's that the guys that translate early on and quickest in the NFL are the guys that have the ability to run routes. You know, as fun as it is to have big, tall jumping athletes on the outside. Those guys don't translate as well early on because they can't get that separation. They don't have that nuance as far as route running goes, unless you're a freak like Calvin Johnson, but that's like, that's different level stuff. You know, that guy is, we've never seen somebody like that before. Right. (laughs) And we might never see somebody like that again. He just absolute freak, but Deshaun Hamilton, I mean, he gets the subtleties of the game, his ability to create separation underneath a variety of routes even though Penn State ran a pretty simple offense as far as the route complexities go, at least as far as I could tell, the offense this year was get the ball to Saquon and uh, get out of the way. Although Trace McSorley did have some good games when Barkley was uh, not getting the ball as much. So there's there's some upside there. But I like what I see from Hamilton, and I, I really like his versatility. I don't think he has the overall Trump trait on the outside, whether it be deep speed or size, where he's going to be a great boundary receiver. But he has inside-outside ability, and that versatility is big. I mean, it gives him a chance to get on the field in multiple different packages. He can play trips. He can play in slot. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if this is your starting slot wide receiver this year because of his ability to get open underneath, whether it be against man coverage or finding the soft spots and zones and helping the quarterback out. So I like this pick a lot. I mean, you're the wide receiver guy here, but – I, I was with you there when they picked this one and I thought he is a great fit. And I also agree with you. I would not be surprised at all if he ends up being the most targeted wide receiver or the third most targeted wide receiver on this class where Cutland's Cortland Sutton gets more of a, a red zone package kind of guy and a red shirt year to develop his route running and just be groomed to replace that flanker wide receiver for Demarius Thomas. And, and that's, Something else I kind of wanted to, to talk about here real quick before we, we close out is I know a lot of people have talked about uh, maybe this is the draft where we just replaced DT and Emmanuel Sanders. I don't see this guy as that perfect replacement for Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. Because I really do think that they're going to want to play him on that slot position. So I think there's still that opening on the other outside receiver position other than Cortland Sutton, which would it ended up, wouldn't really surprise me if they decided to keep either one of DT or Emmanuel Sanders next year and then have Cortland Sutton replace one of them and then keep Deshaun Hamilton in the slot position because that, that is where his best strength is at. That is where he's at his best. Like you said, he doesn't have the speed to really break away on the outside. He's not the, the big-bodied guy that's going to really out-jump a lot of those boundary cornerbacks. And But he can do some of it. He, he did some of it at Penn State, but it majority of his work is there in the slot. And so I could see even Carlos Henderson, maybe getting some work there on the outside more so than, than a slot 
because Deshaun Hamilton will take over that role. Uh, I can see, I know you've talked about this, where next year's wide receiver draft looking very, very good. A lot of great athletes. So maybe wide receiver is still a position the Broncos look at. And then they just have a very, very good set of wide receivers to make teams just go, who are we going to cover? And you saw what those wide receivers are getting paid this offseason. Right, exactly. So, again, you, you, you like to get that young group in there. And with DT and Emmanuel Sanders getting up there in age, they needed to start making some choices. And so uh, I just I love love this pick. And I, I like Cortland Sutton. But like you said, I don't know what his his floor is. There's yeah. just a lot of questions of how quickly can he transition to the NFL. Hamilton, he is that perfect guy that you're going to sit there and and people are going to look back and say, this guy had a bigger impact than those guys that were taken early in the draft. Yeah, his game just translates more smoothly. But again, high floor, less ceiling. So I expect a bigger day one impact. And I'd, you're making that point about, you know, maybe another wide receiver next year. It's kind of like cornerback. Three wide receivers, I would consider three wide receiver starters at this point in the NFL, considering how many three wide receiver or more sets there are kind of like three cornerbacks. I would consider three cornerback starters over three linebackers, you know, depending on three off ball linebackers, depending on what type of defense you play. So you need to have those guys that can win those one-on-one matchups. And I think they definitely did something, uh, at least took a step in the right direction of finding future replacements and making sure that you don't just win from now, but win from now on. So you're not left wanting next year, depending heavily on a rookie at wide at the wide receiver position once DT and or Emmanuel move on. So very exciting. I mean, thinking about the five wide receivers of Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, and Carlos Henderson. I mean, there's there's some dynamic talent there that the team has not had at the position at least one through five wise in, gosh, a long time. <laughs> yeah, you, you look at that wide receiver group last year, and it was guys who made it because there just wasn't enough talent. Yeah. And now I'm looking at it going, man, this is going to be a, a fight, even for some guys from last year, McKenzie, even even our Henderson. Yeah. He's going to have to show up. Jordan Taylor might be gone. I mean, there's some intriguing guys that brought Kenny Bell. Interesting one, good player for Nebraska. So uh, wide receiver group, another one that's going to be very intriguing to follow uh, this training camp. I mean, obviously one and two Sanders and DT, we got that squared away. But after that, there's a lot of talent. And there's a lot that that's going to be fought for there. Exactly. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head on over to Mahai Huddle, a new affiliate of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital to find ours on our co-writers articles, not just related to the draft, but all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. Carl, what's coming out next for you? I'm, I'm working on a piece about some of the different offseason moves. And what I think could maybe be the, the biggest impact ones and maybe others that I've, I've got a little bit of questions about. Awesome. Awesome. I just started a series the other day where I am writing about the strengths and weaknesses of the Broncos roster and the number one strength edge rusher. I mean, four deep four guys that I like a lot and the intrigue of Jeff Holland. And when you got the best edge rusher in football and Von Miller leading that group. I mean, obviously a position of strength for the Broncos, especially after adding Chubb is on top of it. I mean, it's just embarrassment of riches at the second most important position on a team and a reason to be optimistic going forward this season and beyond. And the next one, well, you could probably guess based on our conversation we just had, 
I won't give it away, but <coughs> wide receiver. <laughs> so, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives each and every week. We aren't just here to bring you the news, but in-depth analysis every single week from team building, game planning, and 365 days a year of coverage for the Denver Broncos. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dummler, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos! Mile High Huddle!